we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12, um, and we're going to be looking at some of the promises of God and talking about uh, the promise of a relationship with God. So why don't you turn to Genesis chapter 12, we're going to be looking at, uh, starting in verse 1. I want you to think for a moment about a person that you trust, okay? Think about that person, visualize their face. Uh, think about why you think they're trustworthy. Now, is it because you can believe the words that they say? Oftentimes, that's true, that, that a trustworthy person or someone that you trust, uh, when they tell you something, you believe it to be true. Right? If they say they're going to come help you move, you know they're not going to call you the night before and be like, oh, I'm sick. <laughs> right? They're actually... They're actually going to show up when they say they're going to show up. Now think about someone that you don't trust. Someone who is not trustworthy. Right? The person that tells you, oh yeah, I'll be there. And you're like, yeah, they're never going to show up. You didn't know you can't count on them. Now let's stop and, and think about ourselves for a moment. How many of us have ever broken a promise? Everybody's hand should go up, right? Because we've all said that we would do something and then we didn't follow through, right? Or, or we've made an empty promise. We, we've said something that we know can't happen. We do this with our kids all the time, right, moms? If you behave, you can have a huge piece of cake. But then you realize, like, I don't want to give them cake. They're already crazy, right? So you've made this promise of cake and then, you know, later on you're like, oh, no, you brushed your teeth already. Sorry. Right? We all do. We've done that, Right? An empty promise is it's something that you, you can't follow through with. It's actually a meaningless set of words because you can't do what you've said you were going to do. So, for example, you might say to someone, I promise you'll never get hurt. Or I promise you're sick, but you'll get better. Or I promise I'll save you that piece of cake from when you come home. Especially for me, I come home and it's, if it's chocolate, no, it's not going to be there. And my wife will say, I promise I'll save it for you. And then I come home and I'm like, where's my cake? No, she, she is, right? She couldn't keep that promise. It was cake, especially chocolate cake. But think about the words and the promises we make with one another. Can you guarantee all the things that you say? No, of course not. Because we're sinful humans, we fail, and we can't make promises that we can guarantee 100%. And we as Christians even often make promises that we know we can't fulfill. And what that means for us is that we can't always trust what people promise to us. And maybe you're, you're thinking still of that person that you know you can't really trust what they say. Someone who's let you down or who's broken promises to you. And if you can think of that person, you know that in those moments, that that broken trust ends up leaving us with broken and damaged relationships. It's difficult to have someone in your life that you can't trust because that relationship doesn't have a foundation. And yet with God, it's completely different. Our God makes promises and actually keeps every single one of them. Find a promise in God's word that he hasn't kept. 
You can't do it. And there are literally thousands and thousands and thousands. We're going to look at just a few today in Genesis chapter 12. God's words are absolutely trustworthy. We can take him at his word. If he says it, you can write the check, take it to the bank and cash it because it's good. You know 100%. And in Genesis chapter 12, God makes some really important promises to a man called Abram. Now, Abram was a descendant of Noah. In fact, when Abram was born, Noah was the ripe old age of 892. Nobody wants to live that long. That sounds horrid. (laughs) But that's how old he was, right? 892 years old. And we know that Abram is a faithful man. God later changes his name to Abraham. But God chooses Abram and he says to him in Genesis 12, verse 1, He says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 is an incredibly important passage because this is where God chooses Abram and tells us his plan to save people from sin and death. But this passage, God tells Abram, look. I am going to make you this great nation. And and this whole plan of salvation through Christ really begins here with this promise that God makes to Abram. And in this one passage, in these few verses, God is going to make three incredibly amazing promises. So let's look at these promises together. Uh, these, these, These promises that really at first glance seem absolutely impossible. Now, first off, God says to Abram, go to the land that I will show you. God's promise is that he will give Abram land. When Abram is 75 years old, 17 years after Noah had died, he goes to enter the land of Canaan. And this is the first time we kind of start to realize that God's promise seems impossible. Because God leads Abram to the land of Canaan which is where who lives? The Canaanites. He promised him land that's already occupied. That's ridiculous. If I said, I knock on your door one day, hey, God gave me your land. Get out. You'd be like, dude, this is my house. Get away. It's ridiculous. He's sending him somewhere where there's people already living. It's not some uninhabited place or God didn't move the Canaanites out and then be like, look, here's your new home. He said, look, you are going to inherit this land. I have it all set up for you. And they get there and there's people, big people, strong people, right? Mighty warriors all around. So this promise that God makes seems absolutely ridiculous. How can I inherit a land that doesn't belong to me, that people are already living in. I want you to picture this. Let's say I give you a plane ticket, and I'm like, okay, just go on over to the Middle East and get off the plane and just declare, this is now my land. That's the picture of what God is doing here in Abram's life. He's telling him, move from your family, move from the land that I've given you already, and go to this new land because it's going to be yours. So that's the first of the impossible promises that God is going to make 
with Abram. Now let's look at promise number two. Uh, It's actually found in verse two. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now why does this seem impossible? It's because Abram is already 75 years old at this point. Any 75-year-olds? Anyone close? 60s? Okay. Now imagine this. Imagine God comes to you and he's like, all right. You're in your 70s. Time for some children. (laughs) All the older folks are like, no. We did that. Don't want to do it again. Right? If I handed you a little newborn infant and was like, hey, look. This is the promise of God for you. You'd hand them right back. Right? (laughs) It's your blessing. And not only that, not only did he promise an old man children... But his wife was barren. Sarai was 65 years old, could not have kids. Abram obviously knows this fact, right? And yet God is saying, look, you two are going to be the ones that I make this great nation out of. That is absolutely ridiculous. An impossible promise. Not only would it be physically impossible to have children at 65, but you'd have to then raise them and care for them in your 90s. Now, I know some of you got your retirement planned out. So in your 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, that does not include newborn or young children, right? Anybody have that as part of their retirement plan? No, no. Of course not. And yet God changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means the father of many, as part of this promise. So that's impossible promise, number two. Let's look at verse three. And I will bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God promises that he would make Abram's name great, and that he would be a blessing. Now maybe this one doesn't seem that impossible, but it is a bit strange. It's an odd promise. God says that he will make Abram's name great and he will make a nation that will be a blessing to other people. Now, I imagine Abram and Sarai at this point are thinking, why is this the plan? Right? And often when we're faced with the promises of God, that's usually our response as well. Right? Lord, seriously, this is the route you're going? This is the direction you want to take me? This does not make sense at all. Why would you choose an old man and a barren woman? Why would you send us to a land that's already occupied? And that's the question we'd want to ask God. How does this how is this going to work? And our answer is found here in verse 1. Go back where God says to Abraham, "Leave your country, your people, your father's house and go to the land that I will show you." These promises are all about not what Abram and Sarah will do, but what God will do. He is the one that's going to make it happen. And he wants us to be absolutely clear and absolutely sure as we look at these circumstances that no one but God could make this work. Nobody in this room at 75 years old would be like, yeah, God's going to give me some children now. And yet, as ridiculous as that promise is, 
God can do it. And He does. It's like God is saying to us, I'm going to choose the most ridiculous, the most impossible way to do this so that you can't doubt that it's me doing it. That way you'll know it's me and it's not you that's making this happen. So right from the start, God wants us to know that it's never about what we do. It's about trusting Him and depending upon what He does. And we're going to see that in Abram's response. And how does he respond in this passage? With obedience. Let's look, let's look at verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. What an amazing act of faith we see in Abram's life. He hears God's promises and what does he do? He goes. He doesn't say, well, I need to pray about that a little while, Lord. Just hold on. He doesn't make some list of things that like, okay, if this happens first, Lord, then we'll be on the right track. He simply hears God's word and he moves. He hears God's promises and he does what God says. Abram is a man who trusts God's word. He trusts in God's plans and he trusts in God's promises. Even if they seem ridiculous or impossible. And that's why the man Abraham is held up throughout the Bible as a model of faithfulness. In Romans chapter 4, 18 through 21, it says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Abraham was as good as dead. An old man. And his wife was unable to have children. And yet he believed the promise of God. For you and I, sometimes we need to step back and recognize what God is doing in our lives and say, Lord, I do believe. I will Move in faith even though this seems impossible. Abram believed and was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised to do. That is actually real faith. We throw this word around, I have faith in Jesus. But do you believe that God has the power to do what he has promised to do? Because that, brothers and sisters, is true faith. That God will keep His word and do what He said He would do. To believe no matter what you think the possibilities are. 
to believe that no matter what, God is always faithful. That He will always keep His promise. And if we look back at the life of Abraham, we can see God keeping these promises found here in Genesis chapter 12. Because at age 99, and Sarah at age 90, had their first child. That's crazy. But it happened. And his name was Isaac. And through that child, through this son, Isaac, Abraham and Sarah became a great nation. Hundreds and thousands of people. Who eventually ended up living in the land of Canaan. And that's another story for another day. It's a long story. They had to march in the wilderness for a while, but they got there. Right? And God was faithful in His promise to Israel. God delivered on every single promise. And we've only looked at three. And even though these promises seem ridiculous, they seem so outlandish, our God is always faithful to His Word. And the crazy thought for me as I study this passage is if you look at the history of these people, they were not faithful to God. Because time and time and time again, they turned their backs. They worshipped idols. They went and did their own thing. And yet God remained faithful to them. And it's the same with us. That time and time and time again, we turn our backs on God. We do our own thing. We worship idols. And yet He is still faithful to us. We don't always take God at His word. And like God's people Israel, we don't always trust completely in what He says. Do you take God at His word today? Do you trust in the promises that He's made in His word? Do you believe all the things that He has said? And today, I want us to think about the one way that we can trust just one of God's promises. Just one. And that is the promise of blessing. Now, God promised to bless the world through Abram. But what is that word blessing? What does that mean? I often hear Christians say, oh, I'm, I'm so blessed. That's nice. What do you mean by that? Right? You mean that life, life is good? Like you've got a house, you've got some family that you love, things seem to be going well, you don't, you're not dying horribly. I'm just so blessed. Those, those things are good, and it's, it's good to be thankful for those things. I'm not saying that that's bad. But it's not really the blessing that God is talking about. And if we look at Abram's life, the land, the family, the nation, that wasn't the blessing. Because God promises Abram all of these things. He promises that he'll have this land, that he'll have a huge family, and he promises to make him into this great nation. But then he says, I will bless you. And all that stuff couldn't be the blessing. Because the heart of God's blessing to Abraham was this. It was a relationship with him. I will be your God, and you will be my people. And that is truly the blessing we have as Christians. It's not the stuff. It's that because of Christ's atoning work on the cross, you now can have a relationship with God. And what better way can God bless us than by saying that He will make you His forever? 
that you will be part of the family of God forever. And on Mother's Day, sometimes this day is difficult because not all mothers are awesome. Some are super awesome. But not all mothers are awesome. And there's a lot of pain and and suffering that goes with that thought for some of you. And yet we have the great privilege that as the family of God, you belong to Him. That He is yours forever. And that He has promised to keep you as part of His family forever. That's real blessing. In this world, you can be rich, you can be healthy, you can have this amazing family, great job, a great life, and still not be blessed because you don't have a relationship with Christ. But you can be poor and sick. You can have no family, terrible friends, an awful job. But you can be amazingly blessed because you have a relationship with Christ Jesus. True blessing is simply God favoring us by bringing us into a relationship with Him. And that's what God has offered each and every one of us through Jesus Christ. Because through Jesus... Everyone can have a real relationship with God. That is an amazing blessing. But you're blessed by being in the family of God. Whether you're rich or poor, healthy or sick, family or no family, you have Christ. And that's enough. Now God also tells Abram that all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. God made us as His people to be a blessing to others. That's why you were created, to worship Him, to bless others. So how do you show favor to God's people around you? How do you bless those that God has put in your path? By showing His love. By being a servant. By acting with mercy and forgiveness. By being gracious and caring. So I want to leave you with just two challenges this week. One, that you would put your trust in God, that you would believe His promises are true, and that you would follow Him in whatever direction He leads you in your life. And two, that you would find ways to be a blessing to people around you. That you would live a life of love and servanthood, not just today on Mother's Day, but every day. Blessing others with the love that you have been given in Christ Jesus and showing them that that He is the true blessing in this world. That a relationship with Him is all that you need. Let's bow together. Lord Jesus, we thank You that You have made the way for us to have a relationship with God the Father. That even though we are undeserving, even though we are Wretched sinners, Lord, you have been faithful to us. You have kept your promises and they are true because you have no other way. Lord, we we are thankful that we can stand firm on your promises. That we can count on your word because it's always there and it's always true. And Lord, as we leave this place, may we Be a blessing to others. May we show the love of Christ 
to those who are in need of a relationship with you. Because there is no greater relationship than, than the one we can have in you and with you. We love you, Jesus. We acknowledge you as our Lord. We thank you for all you've done for us. And it's in your name we say.